Chapter Ten of The Life of the Spider. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wally. The Life of the Spider by J. Henry Faber. Translated by Alexander Dematos. Chapter Ten: The Garden Spiders, My Neighbor. Age does not modify the Epeira's talent in any essential feature, as the young work, so do the old, the richer by a year's experience. There are no masters nor apprentices in their guild. All know their craft from the moment that the first thread is laid. We have learnt something from the novices. Let us now look into the matter of their elders and see what additional task the needs of age impose upon them. July comes and gives me exactly what I wish for. While the new inhabitants are twisting their robes on the rosemaries in the enclosure, one evening, by the last gleams of twilight, I discover a splendid spider with a mighty belly just outside my door. This one is a matron. She dates back to last year. Her majestic corpulence, so exceptional at this season, proclaims the fact. I know her for the angular apiera, apiera angulata, walk, clad in grey and girdled with two dark stripes that meet in a point at the back. The base of her abdomen swells into a short nipple on either side. This neighbour will certainly serve my turn, provided that she do not work too late at night. Things bode well. I catch the buxom one in the act of laying her first threads. At this rate, my success need not be won at the expense of sleep. And, in fact, I am able throughout the month of July and the greater part of August from 8 to 10 o'clock in the evening to watch the construction of the web, which is more or less ruined nightly by the incidence of the chairs and build up again next day when too seriously dilapidated. During the two stifling months when the light fails and a spell of coolness follows upon the furnace heat of the day, it is easy for me, lantern in hand, to watch my neighbor's various operations. She has taken up her abode at a convenient height for observation between a row of cypress trees and a clump of laurels 
near the entrance to an alley haunted by moths. The spot appears well chosen, for the Epiera does not change it throughout the season, though she renews her net almost every night. Punctually, as darkness falls, our whole family goes and calls upon her. Big and little, we stand amazed at her wealth of belly and her exuberant somersaults in the maze of quivering ropes. We admire the faultless geometry of the net as it gradually takes shape. All agleam in the lantern light, the work becomes a fairy orb, which seems woven of moonbeams. Should I linger in my anxiety to clear up certain details, the household which by this time is in bed awaits for my return before going to sleep. What has she been doing this evening? I am asked. Has she finished her web? Has she caught a moth? I describe what has happened. Tomorrow they will be in a less hurry to go to bed. They will want to see everything to the very end. What delightful, simple evenings we have spent looking into the spider's workshop. The journal of the angular epiera, written up day by day, teaches us, first of all, how she obtains the ropes that form the framework of the building. All day invisible, crouching amid the cypress leaves, the spider, at about eight o'clock in the evening, solemnly emerges from her retreat and makes for the top of a branch. In this exalted position, she sits for some time laying her plans with due regard to the locality. She consults the weather, ascertains if the night will be fine. Then, suddenly, with her eight legs widespread, she lets herself drop straight down, hanging to the line that issues from her spinnerets. Just as the rope-maker obtains the even output of his hem by walking backwards, so does the epiera obtain the discharge of hers by falling. It is extracted by the weight of her body. The descent, however, has not the brute speed which the force of gravity would give it if uncontrolled. It is governed by the action of the spinnerets, which contract or expand their pores, or close them entirely at the faller's pleasure. And so, with gentle moderation, she pays out this living plumb line, of which my lantern clearly shows me the plumb, but not always the line. The great squab seems at such times to be sprawling in space without the least support. She comes to an abrupt stop two inches from the ground. 
the silk reel ceases working the spider turns round clutches the line which she has just obtained and climbs up by this road still spinning but this time as she is no longer assisted by the force of gravity the thread is extracted in another manner the two hind legs with a quick alternate action draw it from the wallet and let it go on returning to her starting point at a height of six feet or more the spider is now in possession of a double line bent into a loop and floating loosely in a current of air she fixes her end where it suits her and waits until the other end wafted by the wind has fastened its loop to the adjacent twigs the desired result may be very slow in coming it does not tire the unfailing patience of the epeira but it soon wears out mine and it has happened to me sometimes to collaborate with the spider i pick up the floating loop with a straw and lay it on a branch at a convenient height the footbridge erected with my assistance is considered satisfactory just as though the wind had placed it i count this collaboration among the good actions standing to my credit feeling her thread fixed the epeira runs along it repeatedly from end to end adding a fibre to it on each journey whether i help or not this forms the suspension cable the main piece of the framework i call it a cable in spite of its extreme thinness because of its structure it looks as though it were single but at two ends it is seen to divide and spread taft-wise into numerous constituent parts which are the product of as many crossings these diverging fibres with their several contact points increase the steadiness of the two extremities the suspension cable is incomparably stronger than the rest of the work and lasts for an indefinite time the web is generally shattered after a night's hunting and is nearly always rewoven on the following evening after the removal of the wreckage it is made all over again on the same side cleared of everything except the cable from which the new network is to hang the laying of this cable is a somewhat difficult matter because the success of the enterprise does not depend upon the animal's industry alone it has to wait until a breeze carries the line to the pierhead in the bushes sometimes a calm prevails sometimes the thread catches at an unsuitable point 
this involves great expenditure of time with no certainty of success and so when once the suspension cable is in being well and solidly placed the apiera does not change it except on critical occasions every evening she passes and repasses over it strengthening it with fresh threads when the apiera cannot manage a fall of sufficient depth to give her the double line with its loop to be fixed at a distance she employs another method she lets herself down and then climbs up again as we have already seen but this time the thread ends suddenly in a filmy hair pencil a tuft whose parts remain disjointed just as they come from the spinneret's rose then this sort of bushy fox's brush is cut short as though with a pair of scissors and the whole thread when unfurled doubles its length which is now enough for the purpose it is fastened by the end joined to the spider the other floats in the air with its spreading tuft which easily tangles in the bushes even so must the banded apiera go to work when she throws her daring suspension bridge across a stream once the cable is laid in this way or in that the spider is in possession of a base that allows her to approach or withdraw from the leafy piles at will from the height of the cable the upper boundary of the projected works she lets herself slip to a slight depth varying the points of her fall she climbs up again by the line produced by her descent the result of the operation is a double thread which is unwound while the spider walks along her big footbridge to the contact branch where she fixes the free end of her thread more or less low down in this way she obtains to right and left a few slanting crossbars connecting the cable with the branches these crossbars in their turn support others in ever-changing directions when there are enough of them the apiera needs no longer resort to falls in order to extract her threads she goes from one cord to the next always while drawing with her hind legs and placing her produce in position as she goes this results in a combination of straight lines owning no order save that they are kept in one nearly perpendicular plane they mark a very irregular polygonal area wherein the web itself a work of magnificent regularity shall presently be woven it is unnecessary to go over the construction of the masterpiece again the younger spiders have taught us 
enough in this respect. In both the cases, we see the same equidistant radii laid, with a central landmark for a guide, the same auxiliary spiral, the scaffolding of temporary rungs soon doomed to disappear, the same snaring spiral with its maze of closely woven coils. Let us pass on. Other details call for our attention. The laying of the snaring spiral is an exceedingly delicate operation because of the regularity of the work. I was bent upon knowing whether, if subjected to the din of unaccustomed sounds, the spider would hesitate and blunder. Does she work imperturbably, or does she need undisturbed quiet? As it is, I know that my presence and that my light hardly trouble her at all. The sudden flashes emitted by my lantern have no power to distract her from her task. She continues to turn in the light even as she turned in the dark, neither faster nor slower. This is a good omen for the experiment which I have in view. The first Sunday in August is the feast of the patron saint of the village, commemorating the finding of Saint Stephen. This is Tuesday, the third day of rejoicings. There will be fireworks tonight at nine o'clock to conclude the merrymakings. They will take place on the high road outside my door, at a few steps from the spot where my spider is working. The spinstress is busy upon her great spiral at the very moment when the village bigwigs arrive with trumpet and drum and small boys carrying torches. More interested in animal psychology than in pyrotechnical displays, I watch the Epeira's doings, lantern in hand. The hullabaloo of the crowd, the reports of the motors, the crackle of Roman candles bursting in the sky, the hiss of the rockets, the rain of the sparks, the sudden flashes of white, red or blue light, none of this disturbs the worker, who methodically turns and turns again, just as she does in the peace of ordinary evenings. Once again the gun which I fired under the plane trees failed to trouble the concert of the cicadae. Today the dazzling light of the fire wheels and the splutter of the crackers do not avail to distract the spider from her weaving. And, after all, what difference would it make to my neighbour if the world fell in? The village could be blown up with dynamite, without her losing her head for such a trifle. She would calmly go on with her web. Let us return to the spider manufacturing her net 
under the usual tranquil conditions. The great spiral has been finished abruptly on the confines of the resting floor. The central cushion, a mat of ends of saved thread, is next pulled up and eaten. But before indulging in this mouthful which closes the proceedings, two spiders, the only two of the order, the bandit and the silky apiera, have still to sign their work. A broad white ribbon is laid in a thick zigzag from the center to the lower edge of the orb. Sometimes, but not always, a second band of the same shape and of lesser length occupies the upper portion opposite the first. I like to look upon these odd flourishes as consolidating gear. To begin with, the young appearer never used them. For the moment, heedless of the future and lavish of their silk, they remake their web nightly, even though it be none too much dilapidated and might well serve again. A brand new snare at sunset is the rule with them and there is little need for increased solidity when the work has to be done again on the morrow on the other hand in the late autumn the full-grown spiders feeling laying time at hand are driven to practice economy in view of the great expenditure of silk required for the egg bag Owing to its large size, the net now becomes a costly work which it were well to use as long as possible, for finding of one's reserves exhausted when the time comes for the expensive construction of the nest. For this reason, or for others which escape me, the bandit and the silky apiera think it wise to produce durable work and to strengthen their toils with a cross ribbon. The other apiera, who are put to less expense in the fabrication of their maternal wallet, a mere pill, are unacquainted with the zigzag binder, and, like the younger spiders, reconstruct their web almost nightly. My fat neighbor, the angular apiera, consulted by the light of a lantern, shall tell us how the renewal of the net proceeds. As the twilight fades, she comes down cautiously from her day-dwelling. She leaves the foliage of the cypresses for the suspension cable of her snare. Here she stands for some time, then, descending to her web, she collects the wreckage in great armfuls. Everything, spirals, spokes, and frame, is raked up with her legs. One thing alone is spared, and that is the suspension cable, the sturdy piece of work that has served as a foundation for the previous buildings and will serve for the new, after receiving a few strengthening repairs. The collected ruins form a pill which the spider consumes with the same greed that she would show in swallowing her prey. Nothing remains.
this is the second instance of the spider's supreme economy of their silk we have seen them after the manufacture of the net eating the central guide-post a modest mouthful we now see them gobbling up the whole web a meal refined and turned into fluid by the stomach the materials of the old net will serve for other purposes as soon as the site is thoroughly cleared the work of the frame and the net begins on the support of the suspension cable which was respected would it not be simpler to restore the old web which might serve many times yet if a few rents were just repaired one would say so but does the spider know how to patch her work as a thrifty housewife darns her linen that is the question to mend severed meshes to replace broken threads to adjust the new to the old in short to restore the original order by assembling the wreckage would be a far-reaching feat of powers a very fine proof of gleams of intelligence capable of performing rational calculations our menders excel in this class of work they have as their guide their sense which measures the holes cuts the new piece to size and fits it into its proper place does the spider possess the counterpart of this habit of clear thinking people declare as much without apparently looking into the matter very closely they seem able to dispense with the constantious observer's scruples when inflating their bladder of theory they go straight enough and that is enough as for ourselves less greatly daring we will see by experiment if the spider really knows how to repair her work the angular appearer that near neighbour who has already supplied me with so many documents has just finished her web at nine o'clock in the evening it is a splendid night calm and warm favourable to the rounds of the moths all promises good hunting at the moment when after completing the great spiral the epeira is about to eat the central cushion and settle down upon her resting floor i cut the web into two diagonally with a pair of sharp scissors the sagging of the spokes deprived of their counteragents produces an empty space wide enough for three fingers to pass through the spider retreats to her cable and looks on without being greatly frightened when i have done she quietly returns she takes her stand on one of the halves at the spot which was the centre of the original orb but as her legs find no footing on one side she soon realizes that the snare is defective thereupon two threads are stretched across the breach two threads no more the legs that lacked a foothold spread across them and henceforth the apiera moves no more devoting her attention to the incidents of the chase 
when i saw those two threads laid joining the edges of the rent i began to hope that i was to witness a mending process the spider said i to myself will increase the number of those cross threads from end to end of the breach and though the added piece may not match the rest of the work at least it will fill the gap and the continuous sheet will be of the same use practically as the regular web the reality did not answer to my expectation the spinstress made no further endeavour all night she hunted with her riven net for what it was worth for i found the web next morning in the same condition wherein i had left it on the night before there had been no mending of any kind the two threads stretched across the breach even must not be taken for an attempt at repairing finding no foothold for her legs on one side the spider went to look into the state of things and in so doing crossed the rent in going and returning she left a thread as is the custom with all the epeira when walking it was not a deliberate mending but the mere result of an uneasy change of place perhaps the subject of my experiment thought it unnecessary to go to fresh trouble and expense for the web can serve quite well as it is after my scissor cut the two halves together represent the original snaring surface all that the spider seated in a central position need do is to find the requisite support for her spread legs the two threads stretched from side to side of the cleft supply her with this or nearly my mischief did not go far enough let us devise something better next day the web is renewed after the old one has been swallowed when the work is done and the epeira seated motionless on her central post i take a straw and wielding it dexterously so as to respect the resting floor and the spokes i pull and root up the spiral which dangles in tatters with its snaring threads ruined the net is useless no passing moth would allow herself to be caught now what does Ipiara do in the face of this disaster? Nothing at all. Motionless on her resting floor, which I have left intact, she awaits the capture of the game. She awaits it all night in vain on her impotent web. In the morning I find the snare as I left it. Necessity, the mother of invention, has not prompted the spider to make a slight repair in her ruined toils possibly this is asking too much of her resources the silk glands may be exhausted after the laying of the great spiral and to repeat the same expenditure immediately is out of question i want a case wherein there could be no appeal to any such exhaustion 
I obtain it thanks to my acidity. While I was watching the rolling of the spiral, a head of game rushes fun-tilt into the unfinished snare. The epeira interrupts her work, hurries to the giddy pate, swathes him and takes her fill of him where he lies. During the struggle, a section of the web has torn under the weaver's very eyes. A great gap endangers the satisfactory working of the net. What will the spider do in the presence of this grievous rent? Now or never is the time to repair the broken threads. The accident has happened this very moment between the animal's legs. It is certainly known, and moreover, the rope works are in full swing. This time, there is no question of the exhaustion of the silk warehouse. Well, under these conditions, so favorable to darning, the epeira does no mending at all. She flings aside her prey after taking a few sips at it and resumes her spiral at the point where she interrupted it to attack the moth. The torn part remains as it is. The meshing shuttle in our looms does not revert to the spoiled fabric, even so with the spider working at her web and this is no case of distraction of individual carelessness all the large spin stresses suffer from a similar incapacity for patching the banded epeira and the silky epeira are noteworthy in this respect the angular epeira remakes her web nearly every evening the other two reconstruct theirs only very seldom and use them even then extremely dilapidated they go on hunting with shapeless rags before they bring themselves to weave a new web the old one has to be ruined beyond recognition well i have often noted the state of one of these ruins and the next morning I have found it as it was, or even more dilapidated. Never any repairs, never, never. I'm sorry because of the reputation which our hard-pressed theorists have given her, but the spider is absolutely unable to mend her work. In spite of her thoughtful appearance, the epeira is incapable of the modicum of reflection required to insert a piece into an accidental gap. Other spiders are unacquainted with wide-meshed nets and weave satins wherein the threads crossing at random form a continuous substance. Among this number is the house spider, Tegenaria domestica, Lynn. In the corner of our rooms, she stretches wide webs fixed by angular extensions. The best protected nook at one side contains the owner's secret apartment. It is a silk tube. 
a gallery with a conical opening whence the spider sheltered from the eye watches events the rest of the fabric which exceeds our finest muslins in delicacy is not properly speaking a hunting implement it is a platform whereon the spider attending to the affairs of her estate goes her rounds especially at night the real trap consists of a confusion of lines stretched above the web the snare constructed according to other rules than in the case of the epeira also work differently here are no vicious threads but plain toils rendered invisible by the very number if a gnat rush into the perfidious entanglement he is caught at once and the more he struggles the more firmly is he bound the snailing falls on the sheet web tegenaria hastens up and bites him in the neck having said this let us experiment a little in the web of the house spider i make a round hole two fingers wide the hole remains yawning all day long but next morning it is invariably closed an extremely thin gauze covers the breach the dark appearance of which contrasts with the dense whiteness of the surrounding fabric the gauze is so delicate that to make sure of its presence i use a straw rather than my eyes the movement of the web when this part is touched proves the presence of an obstacle here the matter would appear obvious the house spider has mended her work during the night she has put a patch in the torn stuff a talent unknown to the garden spiders it would be greatly to her credit if a mere attentive study did not lead to another conclusion the web of the house spider is as we were saying a platform for watching and exploring it is also a sheet into which the insects caught in the overhead rigging fall this surface a domain subject to unlimited shocks is never strong enough especially if it is exposed to the additional burden of little bits of plaster loosened from the wall the owner is constantly working at it adding a new layer nightly every time that she issues from her tubular retreat or returns to it she fixes the thread that hangs behind her upon the road covered as evidence of this work we have the direction of the surface lines all of which whether straight or winding according to the fancies that guide the spider's path converge upon the entrance of the tube every step taken beyond a doubt adds a filament to the web 
we have here the story of the processionary of the pine whose habits i have related elsewhere when the caterpillars leave the silk pouch to go and browse all night and also when they enter it again they never fail to spin a little on the surface of their nest each expedition adds to the thickness of the wall when moving this way or that upon the purse which i have split from top to bottom with my scissors the processionaries upholster the bridge even as they upholster the untouched part without paying more attention to it than to the rest of the wall caring nothing about the accident they behave in the same way as on a non-gutted dwelling the crevice is closed in course of time not intentionally but solely by the action of the usual spinning we arrive at the same conclusion on the subject of the house spider walking about a platform every night she lays fresh courses without drawing a distinction between the solid and the hollow she has not deliberately put a patch in the torn texture she has simply gone on with her ordinary business if it happen that the hole is eventually closed this fortunate result is the outcome not of a special purpose but of an unvarying method of work besides it is evident that if the spider really wished to mend her web all her endeavours would be concentrated upon the rent she would devote to it all the silk at her disposal and obtain in one sitting a piece very like the rest of the web instead of that what do we find almost nothing a hardly visible gauze the thing is obvious the spider did on that rent what she did every elsewhere neither more nor less far from squandering silk upon it she saved her silk so as to have enough for the whole web the gap will be better mended little by little afterwards as the sheet is strengthened all over with new layers and this will take long two months later the window my work still shows through and makes a dark stain against the dead white of the fabric neither weavers nor spinners therefore know how to repair the work those wonderful manufacturers of silk stuffs lack the least glimmer of that sacred lamp reason which enables the stupidest of darning women to mend the heel of an old stocking the office of the inspector of spiders webs would have its uses even if it merely succeeded in ridding us of a mistaken and mischievous idea end of section 10